Hello, Cathedral. It's great to see everybody today. Thank you for being here. All those who are watching online, different campuses around the Bay Area, whether you're in the coffee shop, the lobby, or here in the main auditorium, so glad that you're here. We're in a series called Say Something. Say Something. Say that with me. Say Something. And if, if you're seeking and you're searching, you want to know if there is a God, and if God would just say something, that would be the game changer for you. Or if you're a believer, but you're in one of those seasons, you need to hear from God. You want to hear from God. If God would just say something, that would be the game changer for you. That is why I am glad that you're here. Because I believe with all my heart. I don't know if it's going to happen this week or next week or the following week. But as we walk through these seven sayings that Jesus spoke while he was on the cross, at some point, you are going to take hold of the word. That word is going to take hold of you, and it's going to be a game-changing moment for you that changes your life in the best kind of way, because that's what God does. Last week's word was forgive, and this week's word is behold. Behold. Say that with me. Behold, uh, to, to get things started, how about if we get interactive, how many moms do we have in the house today? Could I see a show of hands, all the moms that we have in the house? All right, how about a big hand for all the moms? Fantastic. I found this one uh, picture of a mom and it says, I used to have functioning brain cells, but I traded them in for children. That sound about right, moms. There was this one mom, and she was trying to teach her, her little boy about God and the world that God has made. And so she looked at her little boy, and she said, who made the stars? And the little boy said, God did. And she said, who made the moon? And the little boy said, God did. She said, who made the earth? And the little boy said, God did. Well, he seemed to have it down until later that evening, she walked into the family room, looked at all the toys on the ground and said, who made this mess? And he said, God did. <laughs> There's something about a mother and a son. And when we come to the word from the cross today, it's a very tender, intimate moment between a mother and her son. When Mary is at the foot of the cross, what could be harder than this? I mean, there's, there, there are moments that you have as a parent that are hard when your child goes off to the first day at school or when they take the test and get their driver's license, or they come back from college and tell you they found the one. All of those moments are hard. But what is harder than having to bury your own child? And that's exactly what Mary is facing as she stands at the foot of the cross. She's watching her son die, and there's nothing she could do about it. She feels so helpless. 
And to make matters worse, right over here she sees some soldiers gambling for the garment that they have taken from Jesus. A garment that she had likely given to him. When I was just a kid, you can see my mom up here on the screen with me and my, well, I'm there on the right. Can you see me there on the right in that suit? How do you like that suit, huh? A little bow tie going on. Every Easter, my mom used to buy me a suit for Easter because Easter was a big day. And she wanted her boy looking good on Easter. And all the moms said amen to that. <laughs> now, even when I became a grown man, she would still buy me a suit. <laughs> because I would always be her boy. And all the moms said amen. amen. And she would buy me a new suit. I would be pre preaching to thousands of people. She would make sure that I had a new suit for Easter, she wanted her boy to look good on Easter, and I need all the help I can get. Amen. And as Mary is at the foot of the cross, and she watches the soldiers gamble for that garment, this is likely a garment that she had made for him. She had tailored it just for him. Just for him. As a gift, a new suit to wear during his ministry. And now they've stripped him of this garment and are rolling the dice to see who gets it to take it home. What could be worse than that? A man many years ago by the name of Simeon, he had prophesied that, Mary, one day a sword is going to pierce your heart. And here, her heart has been cut into. She feels so helpless. All she can do is stand, but she does. She stands by the foot of the cross with her son. And there at the foot of the cross with her is one of the disciples, John. Now all the disciples, they had, well, they had all boasted. They had thumped their chest about how big and bad they were. Jesus, no matter what happens, you can count on us. We will always be with you. But when things got tough, they all got going. They all ran away. Every one of the disciples turned their backs on Jesus. Every one. But at some point, the disciple named John, he turned back around and he came to the foot of the cross. And let me just say, wherever you're at this weekend, you're never too far away to turn around and come back to the foot of the cross. You are always welcome at the foot of the cross. Amen. All God's people said amen to that, wherever you're at. And so there at the foot of the cross is Mary, the mother of Jesus, and John, the best friend of Jesus. And it's in this moment, Jesus says this very tender, intimate word, Behold. In fact, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Wherever you're at, stand with me for the reading of God's Word as we respect the authority of God's Word in our lives. 
This is what Jesus says from the cross. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing there, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. He's referring to John. And then he said to the disciple, John, behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Heavenly Father, thank you for this very powerful, practical word that Jesus speaks. Thank you for all of these wonderful people who are part of the cathedral family, those watching online, guests that are with us today, wherever you're at on campus. God, my prayer is that this weekend, throughout the course of the service, we would have an encounter with you that would change our lives, that this week will be different because we've met you in this moment. That's our heart. That's our desire. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's give God praise. Amen for his word. Thank you, God. Now, I'm going to invite you to do something before you're seated. It's a little bit old school. But when I'm old school, sometimes I think I'm just old, but I'm really old school. And back when I was growing up in church, when we saw somebody, we wouldn't just call them by their name. Hey, David. Instead, to just affirm a deeper spiritual reality, I'd look over here and I'd say, Brother David, it's good to see you today. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so how about if we add that? Let's greet each other before we're seated. Tell somebody your name. Meet some new people. But instead of just saying, hi, I'm Laura, say, hi, I'm Sister Laura. Or hi, I'm Brother Ken. Let's go ahead and do that today because this is what we learned from the cross. Take just a minute out. Good to see you today. I'm Brother Ken. Hello, Brother Lee, Sister Shante, hey, Brother David, Robert. (laughs) Oh, my. It's a powerful spiritual truth that Jesus teaches from the cross. There are two takeaways from the words of Jesus, and the first takeaway has to do with honor, that we find a principle for your family, creating families of honor. Honor, say that with me, honor. In this one film, there's a a man who's taking care of his father-in-law, and when people age, we can all get a bit quirky. Watch the screens and you'll see what I mean. You age friend. You are there. You are Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
You ask for rent, you garden, Toyota. Taking care of an aging father-in-law. I think I'm becoming a little bit like that older guy. But creating families of honor, it's one of the takeaways we find from the words on the cross. The Bible says, honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise. The first commandment with a promise. This is what Jesus is doing from the cross. It really is an amazing thing that we see. As Jesus is there with Mary, if we can bring up that picture of Mary. As he's there with Mary on the cross. Wow. He looks at Mary and he honors her, even though he has the salvation of the world on his shoulders. He takes a moment to take care of his mother. His mother was a widow. Her husband had died. We're not sure when Joseph had died, but the last time we hear about him is when Jesus was 12 years old. Some point after that, he died, and maybe this helps us to understand the mystery of why Jesus stayed at home for 30 years. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus only lived on this earth for 33 years, and he stayed at home for 30 of those 33 years. Jesus lived at home for 30 years. He was the very first millennial. Jesus lived at home for 30 years. Dr. Wayne, was he a little bit Italian? He lived with his mom For 30 years, why did he do that? His stepdad had died. He was the oldest son. He had to take care of his mom and his little brothers. And so he stays at home honoring his mom, watching out for her during his life. And now as he is dying up on the cross with Nails in his hands and a crown of thorns on his head. With enemies taunting him and demonic powers dancing around him. With the weight of the salvation of the world on his shoulders. Jesus watches out for his mother. While he is our substitute on the cross. He asked John to be his substitute here on earth. Take care of my mom. And that's what John did. Tradition tells us that Mary lived with the disciple John for the rest of her life for another 12 years. And there on the cross, Jesus practices the principle of honor. That's how important this principle is. So now's a good moment to stop and think about what can we do with this principle? How can we create families of honor this week? I saw this one sign that said, respect your parents, they pass school without Google. (laughs) 
How do we honor our parents? When we're little, we honor them by obeying them. But when we're older, we honor them by watching out for them. As parents age, there's so many ways that we can, we can help out. We can help them to learn how to use that iPad. We can give them a ride to the doctor. We can give them a call every week. When you take a little moment of your time, the most valuable thing we have in life, it's not money. We can always make more money. The most valuable thing you and I have is our time because we never get that back. And when we take just a little bit of our time and we honor our parents with that time, sometimes people will say, Pastor Ken, what can I do with my life that would really make God smile, that would really please God? It may be right there in front of you. The Bible says, put your religion into practice by caring for your own family and so repaying your parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. Would you say that last part with me? This is pleasing to God. It brings a smile. And, and right now I have to pause for just a moment and give a shout out to my brother, you can see a picture of my brother with my mom. Look at how cute my brother was, even back then. And my brother, he is a part of what they call the sandwich generation. Have you heard that term? It's where you're taking care of your kids over here, and then you're taking care of your parents over here, and you are right in the middle of that sandwich. You have pressure on both sides. And my brother is facing that kind of pressure, even while he's got his kids over here and aging parents over here with the weight of the world on his shoulders. He has done such a great job at modeling what it looks like in the sandwich generation to put this principle into practice. And he's helped my parents out with their bills, and he's, he's cooked meals for them, and he's taken them to their doctor's appointments and over the last two years with my parents my brother has done the heavy lifting and I just want to say way to go Kurt it's a great example of how to honor mom and dad it really is thank you bro I just want to say I can still take them amen What would it look like for you? Now, I know that there's at least one person, maybe more than that, that would say, I don't know, Ken. My parents, they're not that honorable. I mean, I'm a part of the sandwich generation, but they're a bunch of turkeys. <laughs> what do you do when you have parents who are dishonorable? There's a song that Kelly Clarkson sings, and she wrote it about her dad and about her bad relationship with her dad, how her dad had abandoned her. And this is what she writes in that song. Walking toward the airport, leaving us all in your past, I traveled 1,500 miles to see you. I begged you to want me, but you didn't want to. That's painful. That kind of rejection. 
And maybe this week and you're carrying that kind of hurt and pain from your parents. Maybe those parents have already passed away, but still the anger and the bitterness, whenever their memory comes up, oh, it's hard to shake. What do you do in that situation? Well, here's a suggestion I would make. Is you take last week's word of forgive and you connect it with this week's word of honoring. And you, for, you honor your parents, your flawed parents, by forgiving your parents. Even though it's difficult, you ask God to give you the grace. I want to put this principle into practice and respect their office, respect the place that they did have in my life, and I want to honor them by forgiving them. And if you lean into that this week, look at what the Bible says. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. Would you say that last part with me? Things will go well with you. Can we give God praise for his word? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. See, the Bible tells us not just the right thing to do, but the best thing to do. It will go well for you. That brings us to the second takeaway. The first takeaway is creating families of honor. The second takeaway has to do with the expansion of your family, devotion, devotion. The Bible says this, be devoted to each other like a loving family. Would you read that with me? Be devoted to each other like a loving family. How many of you have seen my big fat Greek wedding? Let me see your hands. There's a great scene in that film. This couple gets married and the dad gets up to talk at the reception about how these two families have expanded, you know, family has expanded, now they're coming together. Watch the screens and it's a great speech. Welcome to the Portocalos family and uh, um, welcome the, the Miller family. Uh, I, I was thinking uh, last night, uh, the night before my, my daughter going to marry uh, Ian Miller, that um, you know the root of the word Miller is a Greek word. And, uh, and Miller comes from the Greek word Milo, which is mean apple. So there you go. <laughs> As many of you know, our name Portocalos is come from the Greek word Portocali, which means orange. So, okay, uh, here tonight we have uh, apple and orange. Uh, we all uh, different, but in the end, uh, we all fruit. <laughs> Apples and oranges, we're all different, but in the end, we're all fruit. When you walk down the aisle and get married, your family expands. But let me tell you another way, a more profound way that we learn from the cross, that your family expands. When you walk down to the foot of the cross, nobody can make that 
decision for you. But when you decide to walk down to the foot of the cross, your family expands. It really does. In the most profound way, apples and oranges, very different people end up in the same basket, a spiritual family, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. This is what we learn from the cross. Jesus looks at the cross, looks at his mother, and he says, Behold your new son. And he looks at his friend and he says, Behold your new mom. There's something that happens at the foot of the cross, a spiritual connection that takes place. Have you ever wondered, why didn't Jesus give the care of his mom to his brothers? He has four brothers, four half-brothers. Why don't they take care of the mom? Well, at this point, his brothers were not believers. They thought Jesus was crazy. I can imagine them saying to Mary, we told you this was going to happen to him if he kept saying those crazy things. At this point, his brothers weren't believers. They're not at the foot of the cross. Now, after the resurrection, they become believers. When your brother comes back from the dead, that has a way of persuading you, amen? And you think, maybe he's not crazy anymore. But at this point, they're not believers. They're nowhere around. And so the only immediate family that's there is Mary. And he looks at his friend John, and he says, John, this is your new mom, and Mary, this is your new son, and they are connected together spiritually, new moms and dads, new brothers and sisters. That's what happens when we come to the foot of the cross and put our faith and trust in Jesus, we become a part of a great, big spiritual family. Let's give God praise, amen, for that spiritual family. (laughs) Hallelujah! Well, and what a family it is. Can we bring up some pictures of Cathedral? You want to talk about apples and oranges? How diverse this family at cathedral is look around you for just a moment take just a moment and look around you'll find people from every ethnic background from every religious background from every educational background dr wayne graduated summa cum laude i graduated summa cum laude amen (laughs) we're all here we're all here you'll find white collar blue collar and new collar here You'll find Republicans, Democrats, and Libertarians right here. You'll find giant fans, athletic fans, and even a few Dodger fans in here. You'll find those who are part of the upper class, middle class, lower class, and those who have no class at all, they're here too. It's apples and oranges in this great, big, beautiful family. And one thing I love about the cathedral family, I just want to celebrate our church family. 
is the many generations that are represented here. In fact, how about if I get a show of hands? How many are under 35? Not you want to be under 35, but you're actually under 35. Let me see your hands, all those under 35. How about a big hand for all those under 35? Yeah, they're here. How about between 55 or 35 and 55? How many folks are between 35 and 55? Yeah, we're here too. How about a shout out to them? Yeah. How about those between the ages of 55 and 75? Now you're in my territory. How many of those do we have? Yeah, we're here. We're here. How many are over 75? Do we have anybody here today who are over 75? Yes, yes, we're here too. We're here too, right over here. Way to go. That's awesome. He talked about apples and oranges. We have multiple generations. Isn't that beautiful? Older folks who can mentor me, younger folks who can energize me. God has brought us all together, put us in the same basket here at Cathedral. Apples and oranges. The Bible says this, never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. All of us together, apples and oranges. Jesus said this is one of the perks of following him. Every once in a while, someone will say to me, I don't see what the big deal is about church. Why should I get connected to a spiritual family? Apparently, Jesus thought it was a big deal because he gives it as one of the main perks of following him. He was once asked, Jesus, we have given up everything. Is it going to be worth it in the end? Will it be worth it? And Jesus says, yes, it will. And here's one of the reasons. I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times. A hundred times. Say that with me. A hundred times. You can't outgive God. Say it again. A hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property. It's one of the main perks that Jesus says. You become a part of the spiritual family. So I want to give you a nudge. Can I give you a pastoral nudge this week? I want to encourage you. Make sure you get connected. There's seven sayings on the cross, and I would nudge you to make sure you're connected to seven people here at the Cathedral of Faith where you're learning together and growing together. It may be in a small group. It may be through serving. It may be by signing up for a class. But open yourself up to... New connections that God is bringing your way. I think about a friend of mine. We've been buddies for 35 years. You know where I met him? I met him at church. Isn't that something? I could have said at that point in my life, hey, I've got plenty of friends. I've got my friends from high school. I got my friends from college. I grew up in church. I got friends from church. I don't need any more people in my life. But God had someone that he wanted to link me up with. 
and I open my life to that connection. And that connection over the years grew into one of the very best friends that I have today. In fact, he is so devoted to me. He's told me, this is what he said. He said, you know what, Ken? I'm so devoted to you, I'd take a BB for you. That's what he said. He won't take a bullet, but he'll take a BB. Maybe in another 35 years, he'll take a bullet. Where does God want to connect you? With someone new here at Cathedral. This is the way we stand tall. As the tech team gets things ready for a powerful song. Let me tell you about how we stand tall. The California redwoods are an amazing sight. They really are. They grow to over 300 feet, you know, 14 feet wide. And I've looked at them and thought, how does that happen? I mean, being that tall, being that wide, how, how do they stand so tall? And of course, it always comes back to the roots. You know, the roots, of course, it's the root system. And immediately I think, what well, must be because the roots go deep. But that's not why. The secret is the roots go wide. And they intermingle with other redwood trees. And that's how they stand tall. How do you stand tall for Jesus? We're connected to each other. And that intermingling helps us to grow together, to stand tall together. The Bible says, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are part of the household of faith. Can we give God praise one more time for the spiritual family we have at Cathedral? Amen. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me for just a moment. Megan and Manuel are coming. They're going to sing a great song. And between Mary and Jesus, it's really powerful. But before they do, I, I want to ask you if you'd say, Pastor Ken, I need to come to the foot of the cross today. I've, I've never put my faith in Jesus or I've been away from Jesus. I feel I'm in a distant land. And today, I want to come back to the foot of the cross and put my faith and trust in him. If that's your decision, wherever you're at, you may be in the coffee shop, out in the lobby, out in the Bay Area, around the world, here in the main building, if that's where you're at, would you slip up your hand real high and say, God, that's me today. I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus. Just lift up your hand real high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So many hands going up. This is what Easter's all about. God's love reaching out to us. Thank you, God. Father, I thank you for this moment. Thank you for all of these wonderful people who are turning their lives over to Jesus, making Jesus the leader of their life, putting their faith and their trust in him as their savior. And Jesus, I pray for all of us today that you would, in every family that's represented here, oh God, that you would create Homes that are homes of honor, homes of love and respect and honor, that every person is made in the image of God and we can treat them with respect and honor, create homes of honor today, and then God with our spiritual family. I pray, Lord, there are some of us who 
this year you're going to open the door for us to mentor somebody else. Others, Lord, you're going to open the door for us to be mentored by somebody else. God, I believe that you have new relationships this year in our spiritual family for us to invest in, for them to invest in us so that we can stand tall together. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Manuel and Megan are coming to sing this beautiful song. Exactly how it's supposed to be. I'm right here. Can you hear my voice? My life, my love, my Lord, my baby boy. As they nail me to this tree, just know the fire. For me, God, how can this be your will to have your son and my son care? Whatever happens, whatever you see, whatever your eyes tell you has become of me. This is not, it's not the end. I am making all things new again. I remember when you were born in that manger where I first held you. Just know the Father waits for me. Tell you 